Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Got a big hour. Chris Daubertine, the bracketologist, bloggingthebracket.com. He comes on in at 920. We'll talk LSU's position and the lay of the land across college basketball. That landscape may change dramatically if St. Mary's continues and holds on here for the massive upset in the WCC championship game as they're leading Gonzaga 34-30 to a few minutes into the second half. Gonzaga scores there, gets within two. I'm not quite sure, and I guess we'll ask Chris if that would take Gonzaga off the one line, but if it does, does that open up a spot for, say, perhaps LSU if they run the table in the SEC tournament? We'll see. LSU baseball loses tonight. That complete about 20, 30 minutes ago. Northwestern State beats them 3-1. to and, of course, as always, a midweek loss means meltdown on Twitter for LSU baseball fans. You should know better than that by now. Come on. Pelicans losing, getting routed by the league's best team by record in the NBA. Bucks lead over the Smoothie King Center, 124-105. to 105. Giannis, uh, 22 points. Middleton, 23 for the Bucks. Uh, and Nico uh, Miritich, remember he was traded to the Bucks, the 12 points off the bench in his return to the Smoothie King Center. Also, for the Pelicans, Anthony Davis has 21 points in 21 minutes and Julius Randle 23 to lead the Pelicans in scoring. Last night, speaking of the Pelicans, one of the most irresponsible pieces of, and I don't even like to use this word, journalism, but it's not journalism. It's just throw up what you can on social media and hope you get clicks and retweets and likes, no matter what you say. There's this account called My NBA Update that has almost 100,000 followers at My NBA Update. What they do throughout this year is they just tweet what they're hearing, hearing trade rumors, contract discussions, just all news and, and analysis about the NBA. Well, last night, I guess it was yesterday, yesterday afternoon, they tweeted out, quote, breaking the New Orleans Pelicans are the top target team to move to Seattle, my sources tell my NBA update. And that set off a firestorm that lasted until the evening. In fact, it's still going on today. It's nonsense. And the local media rushed to describe it that way correctly as nonsense. And Fletcher Mackle, who's been kind of leading the charge here locally one of the guys a lot of sources inside the pelicans said his sources inside the organization says that was about the most irresponsible piece of journalism they've ever seen <laughs> it's just flat not true uh, i told you eric asher i was on a show earlier this week or i guess it was yes week uh, last week says oh please this tweet let tweeter say anything without legit sources right that's exactly what happened here Gail Benson is on record, and frankly, she's off record, saying she will not sell nor move the Pelicans as long as she is the owner here. 
She has no plans to do that. All of this conjecture and prediction tweeting across the country that just because Seattle deserves an NBA team, and they do, and I use that word deserves because the one they had was ripped away in one of the worst pieces of business as retribution in professional sports when David Stern allowed them to move to Oklahoma City with Clay Bennett. It's nonsense. It would be like New Orleans not having a football team. That town is basketball crazy. They should have a town. However, it's not going to be the Pelicans. It's not. At least not as long as Gale owns this team. It's not happening. So this at my NBA update rumor, patently untrue. And it goes once again to show you, just be careful what you read and what you believe on the internet. Because this account has 100,000 followers and this got retweeted 500 times and liked 1,000 times, doesn't make it true. It's flat not true. I, just, I, I never understand why we see these just continuous nonsense about the Pelicans moving. Just because it's a smaller fan base and one that's still growing here because this team hasn't been here very long doesn't make it true. I mean, it just flat does not make it true. So that's that. Maybe unfollow at my NBA update because it should be at my NBA uh, rumor mill or at my NBA untruths. There's a text from the 513. I'm disappointed the Saints didn't try hard enough to keep Mark. Not happy with Murray signing. Well, from the people that I've talked to, they tried very hard to keep Mark Ingram. He just either wanted too much money or he was being offered too much money by other teams. Saints couldn't match. They offered him a similar, uh, the people that I've talked to, says they've offered him, and three different people have told me the same thing, and offered him very similar money to what they gave Latavius Murray. And he just said he wasn't willing to accept that. And look, he if he can get a lot more on the market, don't blame him at all. Let's go to Kevin in Biloxi. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, two questions. The first one, I guess, is not fantasy football, but football fantasy land regarding uh, our beloved Mark Ingram. All right. Uh, fix my memory. Uh, several years ago, did Drew Brees and the team kind of restructure his contract to, to keep a player? Like I'm talking four, five, six years ago. Well, they've, they've restructured it. I don't know if it was anything specific with one player, but they've restructured his contract multiple times every year to make sure that cap hit doesn't get too exorbitant. And the, the look, the, they're going to restructure his contract again this year. He's not going to enter this following season with a $35 million a year cap hit. Are you kind of leading that Breeze should have been willing to take a lot less to keep Mark? No, but I'm wondering, because these guys are so good, the front office, I mean, Murray, a lot of teams would like to have him. And I just wonder what you think the possibility is of uh, Drew and the team trying to do some finagling to actually match or make a close offer to Mark. I think that I ship's – I think you don't think that ship sailed here with, with yeah, them signing I mean, Murray? It, it sounds like it, but it just seems like this kind of trickeration may have happened before. I don't so think. I'm just curious what your thoughts. No, I, I look. 1%. Sure. No, no. I look. Like I said, I said to open the show. Is there some reality, some universe 
where the Saints also keep Mark Ingram with Latavius Murray here? Sure. I don't know exactly what that reality would be. I don't think that they have the money that they're going to be willing to spend at that position anymore now that they're going to ink Latavius Murray tomorrow when they're allowed to do that. So the the short answer to your question is, yeah, that, that the ship sailed. Mark Ingram's not going to be a saint any longer. NFL free agency is here. Latavius Murray in. Saw Chris Banjo, Craig Robertson, Teddy Bridgewater all back. Our team here at WWL all over these moves. You can listen for the latest every half hour in sports and every day on Sports Talk and here on The Last Lap. It's Saints Free Agency Frenzy brought to you by the Hood Automotive Group. Everything automotive under one hood. Upset alert continues. St. Mary's has extended their lead on Gonzaga 40-34. to And they have the basketball. Gonzaga is ice cold from the floor and they're getting beat up right now. Still plenty of time left in that game. Remember, they haven't play, they haven't played a single digit game in in, in twenty nineteen. I mean, twenty straight double digit wins. This is one of the reasons why some analysts out there think Gonzaga might not be ready come tournament time. Text from the five zero four. Watch out. I don't know what that's about, but yes, Gonzaga better watch out here. This could be a wake up call for them. Here's a text from the five zero four. Once AD is traded to the Pels, they're going to be really Excuse me. Once AD is traded, the Pels are going to be really good, especially with talents like Holiday, Randall, Peyton, Jackson. If they add Tatum and a top draft pick, watch out. Well, that was the second part of this. Our text is split up on that screen, so watch out for that. Well, that's what I said. I said if they get a player in like Jason Tatum and more pieces, Marcus Smart and others, Rozier up there from Boston, this is just a hypothetical, then they can be a playoff team right away with Drew Holiday now becoming the leader of this franchise. I think it could be a relatively short rebuild. In fact, perhaps they go just from rebuilding to remodeling this franchise. We're going to wait to see what happens this summer. And it's not that far away, I suppose. And now that the Lakers, there's lots of people in Los Angeles, lots of writers and and sports talk host in Los Angeles saying LeBron should be traded. And who knows? Maybe he and LeBron both head on up to New York. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Chris Daubertine, blogginthebracket.com. He's going to join us a little NCAA bracketology here on the last lap. Welcome back to the show. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. Are you glad the Saints have stayed relatively quiet so far in free agency? You can cast your vote there. We've been keeping an eye on this upset alert. St. Mary's continues to lead Gonzaga. In the WCC final, could have implications possibly for LSU. Is LSU hanging around the two-seed line? And let's talk a little college basketball bracketology now with Chris Daubertine back on the program for SB Nation, blogginthebracket.com. Chris, what's going on, man? Uh, here we go, championship week on into Selection Sunday. How are you? Hey, Seth. Yeah, we're we're heading into some very interesting times here, potentially with 1035 to go in Las Vegas. <laughs> so I got to start with that. If Gonzaga loses this, and I know it's still a big if with that much time left, do they come off the one line? Uh, they could. I think it's going to depend on what happens the rest of the week as usual. I think they'd probably slip down right now. I have them as a second one seed. They'd probably drop down to that four slot. And then, you know, who knows what happens, you know, with North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia in that ACC mess. And then, of course, Tennessee, Kentucky, and LSU in the SEC. I mean, that could really get interesting as we uh, 
get down to the end over the weekend. All right, we'll talk about the, the top lines, top seats here in just a little bit, but let's talk a little LSU. You have them as a two seed in the East in your projections today. That's Virginia's the one seed there. They're also mm-hmm. in the Tulsa pod. How does the Javante Smart decision and really the Will Wade situation affect possible seeding? Well, we're going to have to play that by year. I actually moved them up from where I had them on Sunday. I had them, at, I had them behind Tennessee on Sunday. Decided to move them up, have a few more quality wins in the balls at this point, and that head-to-head victory, of course. But we really have to see. Yeah, they were able to just completely dominate Vanderbilt on Saturday, but pretty much everybody's been able to do that. You know, they went 0-18 in the SEC. We're really going to have to see what happens on Friday in that quarterfinal, especially if it's at third matchup with Florida, which is a team that gives the Tigers a big problem this year. Is there precedent, and I believe there is, for the selection committee to drop LSU, even if they make um, some kind of run here in the SEC tournament, if they don't have Javante Smart available for that tournament? Would the selection committee penalize them for that, even though they might not have suffered on the court too much? Yeah, I think they possibly could because, remember, they're evaluating what team is going to be out there, and granted, they're going to have a very small sample size of you know, somewhere between, you know, two and four games. But, yeah, they're going to have to think if they're not playing as well, if their efficiencies are down offensively or defensively, they might drop them a little bit. And somebody had a crazy idea on Twitter the other day saying, thinking about what happened to Arizona last year when there was all that controversy around Sean Miller, that they just kind of dumped Arizona down into the four spot, you know, where they everybody kind of thought they were going to be a, a two or a three seed. And, you know, kind of got them in the area where they really couldn't affect the bracket too much. So that's another thing you might want to keep in mind. The selection committee doesn't do something out of left field like that. Oh, that's a great analysis. Chris Daubertine blogging thebracket.com here with this. He releases daily bracket projections. Again, LSU, he has them as the two seed in the East. Let's go over the one line here. You said Virginia's your overall number one. Gonzaga's mm-hmm. the two. Well, I have uh, never had that happen before. Worked here, what, five, six years? And my mic just stopped working across the studio. <laughs> I Literally, mid, mid-conversation mid with Chris Dobberty, and we just go, uh, well, mic stopped working. I don't know what's going on. Logan scrambling behind the glass, and I hear Chris going, hello, what's going on? So there you go, live radio. That's what happens. Chris Dobberty joining us again, bloggingtheracket.com. Chris, I apologize. I, I could hear you. You couldn't hear me. <laughs> yeah, this, this happens from time to time in the business. Yeah, exactly. So I had to go on the opposite side of the studio and a uh, new position, but here we are. So I was talking about the the one seeds here, and um, uh, the uh, Gonzaga and Virginia seem like certainly going to be one seeds, perhaps even if Gonzaga loses tonight. The other two one seeds, who you got right now? Right now, still Kentucky and Carolina. Carolina flip-flopping with, with Duke after their win on Saturday. Is there a possibility that LSU, if they win that SEC tournament, that they could jump all the way to a one? I think absolutely there is. I think the one issue you kind of have to keep in mind is the late status of that game, but at least it's not as late as that Big Ten tournament, which kind of eliminates the possibility, I think, for Michigan State or Michigan you know, to kind of make that jump because that game is right at the last minute. But I think LSU, especially if they're, they're dominant in the quarterfinal and the semifinal, can really get themselves in good position. And again, as usual, all the caveats apply depending on what, ha- what happens elsewhere, especially in that, S- in that ACC final on Saturday night. All right, who? what teams can hurt themselves and help themselves the most here in championship week? Well, I, like I said, you have kind of these big clusters, you know, both in the SEC and the ACC in terms of seeding. I think the Big 12 is another group where you kind of have Texas Tech, Kansas State kind of sitting behind Kansas just because Kansas had so many good non-conference wins. 
I think Kansas State and Texas Tech, if they can go and go on a little bit of run for the Wildcats, it'll be a little tough since we won't have Dean Wade on the roster. Uh, it, it doesn't look like for for their three games in Kansas City, they can probably get you know past Kansas for a three seed, and then of course you get in the bubble and it's really going to be a free-for-all, especially right now with St. Mary's up five and Gonzaga, potentially squeezing that a little bit by getting rid of one of those at-large spots. North Carolina, I think we've talked about them before. To me, they seem like the scariest team in the country right now. Do you agree? Do you see them as certainly a legitimate title threat? Absolutely. I think the one thing they got to keep in mind is, you know, how do they react on Friday if both they and Duke make that semifinal in the ACC how do they play with actually having to deal with Zion Williamson for more than, you know, 30 seconds? You know, let's see how that happens. And then if they get to that championship game, it'll probably be Virginia lurking there, which is a really bad matchup for them. So I'm really interested to see kind of what happens, you know, if they get that far this weekend in Charlotte. All right, who's on the bubble, who's in, who's out, and who do we need to keep an eye on? Well, right now my last four in are Temple, Indiana, Ohio State, and Clemson. Of course, the funny thing is, Clemson is in that last spot, so if St. Mary's wins, they're going to get knocked out. But they can get right back in tomorrow because they have a a noon second-round game in the ACC against North Carolina State, which is basically an elimination game because you look at who's on the other side. Belmont's the first team out, and, of course, they can't do anything else at this point. They're just kind of waiting there. And, of course, St. Mary's winning would be kind of a double tragedy for them as a mid-major. NC State's after them, and really the Wolfpack have got to go on a run because their their profile – especially their lack of quality non-conference wins. That's something the committee really, you know, has stressed year in and year out. They didn't follow those directions at all. Their profile was terrible, you know, for for that matter, just because of that scheduling. And and they're going to have to beat Clemson and then probably Virginia in the quarterfinal to really have a good shot. Then Lipscomb and then Creighton. Creighton's another squad, though. Their first game in the Big East is against Xavier, and that's a a win that's not going to really help them at all. So they're going to have to win probably the Big East automatic bid to actually get in. And then Oregon and Alabama are two teams I think have a really good shot if they can, you know, get some wins together this week. Hey, I can't remember if you said this with everything that happened, but St. Mary's, do you have them in or out right now? So would they be, if they win this, are they taking up a spot for one of those at-large? They are taking up a spot. I don't even have them on my, you know, first eight out group just because, you know, their their net is really good. They improved their non-conference schedule this year, but they didn't win a lot of games. They, you know, they played LSU in Las Vegas and lost that game. They, they upped their game but didn't really win any games. They didn't do much. They, you know, got blown out in the first game against Gonzaga, played a closer game last, uh, you know, two Saturdays ago at this point. So so they really need to win this game. Otherwise, they're not going to be making it at all. It's Chris Doberty in a blog in the bracket.com. You can find his work in daily bracket projections there. Should be your daily stop every day leading into Selection Sunday. Chris, thanks for bearing with us through these technical difficulties. Live radio, man. Uh, We'll talk to you again probably next week before the tourney starts. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Seth. All right, it's Chris Daubertine. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Tulane Tuesdays. Jacob uh, Wass comes on in. Talk a little Mike Dunleavy and Tulane basketball and their disastrous season, but they're sticking right now behind Mike Dunleavy. Is that the right choice. Jacob Wass joins us next here on The Last Lap. New segments we're going to do certainly for the rest of the academic year and hopefully for the rest of the time that I host this show. It's Tulane Tuesdays, to be frank. I don't think we've covered Tulane as well as we could on this show, really in sports radio in the city. And I've been thinking about it for a while, covering it better. And one of the guys who worked prep football with us is Jacob Wass. Uh, on Tulane's campus and talk to him and we're going to start doing these segments he and I are going to chat about Tulane sports 
every Tuesday for 20 minutes or half an hour or so, a little shorter because of the technical difficulties today. But Jacob's sitting to my left now. Uh, Jacob, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be here. It's good to talk. Uh, yeah, go ahead and press that on button. So we're having all sorts of mic difficulties today. So uh, there you go. Yes. Uh, well, no, actually, it sounds like you're not good. Uh, do you have them on over there, Logan? Talk, uh, Jacob. There we go. Okay. We're, we're here's just everybody listening. We just basically had a hurricane happen in our studio, so we we shifted everywhere. Like I'm over on the co-host side, Jacob's in a spot that we never use, so this mic hasn't been probably been used in like eight months. So probably because I came in here. I, well, I was saying it's your fault. It's got to be your fault somehow, right? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a welcome. <laughs> no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty it's not good right now on Willow Street. It's uh, Devlin Fieldhouse has been a sad place this year. I mean, the basketball program at Tulane hasn't been much to gloat about for, uh, what, the past couple decades now. But uh, this had to have been, uh, what, 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 the worst season in the history of Tulane basketball, the 109 years of Tulane basketball with an 0-18 record. Tulane now <laughs> has, well, they finished the season on an 18-game losing streak. But before I even get back, before we even get sure. to Tulane, let me just, let me take a step back, right? I want to introduce another team, another program. All right. right. All right. It's a school called Alabama A&M, all right? Alabama, the Alabama A&M Bulldogs this year finished last place in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. This is a conference that's loosely referred to as the WAC swack the the whack swack okay i like this they finished with a five and 27 record okay and Tulane played them they played the bulldogs on december 22nd at a neutral site they played in atlantic city okay and going into this game alabama a&m was 0 and 11 in the kempom rankings they were 349th out of all 353 division one teams okay Alabama A&M ended up winning this game <laughs> by eight points. And this, this is when Dunleavy should have gotten fired, okay? He would have been, but, but after this game, you'd think it's like, all right, we got all the, we got all the bad stuff out of the way. We're about to go into conference play, bad loss out of the way. Sure. No. And they happen. They happen, those bad losses every <laughs> once in a while. But Tulane proceeds to lose every game for the rest of the season. 0-18 in conference, <laughs> right, in the oh, American. Yes, 0-18 in conference, a 20-game losing streak as I mentioned, to end the season, all right? They finish off with a final record of 4-27, and 20, uh, four and 27. the only other D1 team that had a worse record this season was Chicago State, okay? And, I mean, I was at the last game against Wichita State, and, I mean, the stadium was at least, I mean, the majority was Wichita State fans, and it couldn't have ended in a more fitting way. I mean, it's like Tulane comes out. It's like me and my friends went. We were thinking, like, all right, like, at least we'll see some history. You know, if Tulane loses, they'll be, they'll be the worst team of all time. We can say that we won. <laughs> so you you could say you were there. Yeah. You were wa- you were watching so could, this disaster firsthand. Yeah. So I could tell. All right, that's something. That uh, I saw the worst team ever. But Tulane comes out swinging. They're actually playing like a pretty good game. And then with .5 seconds left, we got a tied game. Okay, we got a tied game. Dexter Dennis, this guy in Wichita State, hits this, <laughs> hits this pe- like penetrates, get, hits a fadeaway three pointer, just drills it, just absolute <laughs> like Dunleavy's face I wish you could have seen it it was just completely blank and honestly me and my friends were saying that they should just hold the program right there like it was just a sad self-imposed story. death penalty right yes, there yes but now we get to our bigger question okay it's like Tulane loses every game of the season how does Mike Dunleavy keep his job right so right now Mike Dunleavy has he signed a six-year contract 
in 2016, okay? So he has three seasons remaining, all right? And in his three years that he's already done, he's had a record of 8-36, and 36, an 8-36 and 36 in-conference record, at least, okay? And what's the number one rule of poker? So, no, you tell me. I'm a, I'm a poker player. You can't so. be committed to the pot. That's true. That's true. That's right. Yeah. So right now, Tulane's way too committed to the pot. <laughs> and I mean, the reality is, is the, a bunch of NBA coaches who've come in the past, like they just don't translate well to college. That's at true. All. Yeah. I mean, we like just to get, give you a couple examples. Like we think of Isaiah Thomas of ruining the Knicks, right? But did you know that after he left the Knicks, he joined FIU, Florida International, the year after, went seven and twenty-five. Then he left. He was like, "Yeah, I'm out of here." Even the next year, they won a couple more games, so at least they were headed in the right direction without him. Then we got Clyde Drexler, who was, you know, great NBA player, played for the Rockets. He retires. Then he joins the University of Houston as their head coach, goes 10-17, and 17, then goes 9-12 and 12 and goes, yeah, I'm leaving. Everyone loves Dunleavy because he's he coached like 1,300 NBA games, but that doesn't mean that he can just waltz into Tulane, coach a D1 program that's been failing for decades and just turn it around on a win. So hey, we're talking to Jacob Wass here, Tulane Tuesdays, about Tulane basketball. 0-18 in conference play, four wins. That's it this year. One of the worst teams in Division One college basketball residing right here in New Orleans. So what is the temperature of the fan base, of the students right now? I'd imagine um, pretty hot. Well, yeah, so I went around campus, asked a couple people what they thought about the situation, and uh, I got – so a mixture of responses, but I think it's pretty one-sided. All right, let's play that. This is Jacob. He, again, asked a lot of people around campus, students and otherwise, at a two-minute segment here. Here's some of those reactions. Well, there's some of the reaction on Tulane's campus to Mike Dunleavy sticking around. And the reason why he'd stick around is likely money, Jacob, because he's had three years left on his contract, right? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And I think this is a huge ego play by athletic director Troy Dannon by keeping him because it's a bad look. I mean, I'm sure they gave him a ton of money. You can't see how much because it's a private university and they don't need to reveal that online. But I think, yeah, they'd be it'd be a total sunk cost and they just don't want to accept that they made a bad play. But with that, the program just sinks with it. It's crazy. Speaking of sinking, another crazy off-balance shot like St. Mary's been making all day long, and Gonzaga's going to lose this game, which might cost him a one seed, but more importantly for the bubble of the NCAA tournament, St. Mary's going to be in, and one of the bubble teams that doesn't win their conference tournament going to be out. Nine-point lead with two minutes left for St. Mary's, eye-opening to say the least. Uh, not that these two teams don't have that big rivalry, but stunning result here considering Gonzaga hadn't even been within single digits of anybody in 2019. They're about to lose this first game here. Um, bottom line here, do you think that all this outrage by Tulane fans and boosters in sport, do you think it changes the decision on campus this year? Do you think there's any chance Dunleavy won't be back next year? Oh, no, I think he's 100% staying. I think they're just trying to ingrain that in everyone's minds. A couple of people at, that end of, at the end of that audio mentioned that like he's respected because he turned two guys into NBA players. But, I mean, that really hasn't like translated in getting a bunch of recruits. There's only been two guys committed for next year's season. I'm curious. Do, yeah. do they, are they counting Cameron Reynolds in that? Because Cameron Reynolds was on campus long before Dunleavy got there. Yeah, they are counting Cameron Reynolds. Reynolds. Well, Tulane is actually all right. This is like the one good stat, I guess. Tulane is one of eleven teams, one of eleven colleges, I guess, who's had two guys in the NBA from last season's teams. So I guess they're in somewhat of an exclusive group there. But 
for next year, Tulane only has two guys committed, one three-star recruit from Wisconsin and one guy from England who's like a transfer from Missouri State Junior College. So it's not like, I mean, tr- uh, recruiting's like half of the game too if you want to be a college coach. Sure. And I mean like... Maybe more than half. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's not translating just because, I guess you could say whatever, Dunleavy's turning these guys into NBA talent. Like, I don't think that's really true, and I'm sure that players see that as well. That's why Tulane can't get guys. Well, maybe they need more bag men. More, <laughs> more Chris. No, that's a, it's a joke, people. You know my stance on what's happening over at uh, LSU. Well, uh, Jacob, it's enlightening. A baseball season going to be a, a little... A little more fun than yeah. basketball season was yeah, this year, you know, I would hope. Well, hopefully we'll be a little more optimistic next week. I'm sorry that for my first segment I had to – No, uh, it's, don't be sorry at all. It's what The city <laughs> needs to know what's going on. I bet yes. the majority of our audience didn't even know how terribly the season went at Tulane. Historically bad. Yeah, no. I mean, even some Tulane students didn't even know. It's like – they're trying to make the investment into the program, and it's like, I mean, it's clearly just not panning out at all. Tulane's also arguably the worst team in the state. They lost to ULL and Southeastern both at home this season. They even only beat Loyola <laughs> by 11 in a preseason game. Loyola isn't even a D1 school. That's crazy. It's <laughs> nuts. Well, hopefully we won't have a repeat of this anytime soon in Uptown New Orleans. Jacob, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week for Tulane Tuesdays. All right, thank you. All right, Jacob Wass, what's your social media, man, you want to give out to anybody listening? Yeah, uh, my social media is at Jacob Wass. And for those of you who are into the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, Ah, okay. Yes, I run an AAF account called AAF Spot. Post some videos on there, some great content. All right. Yeah, yeah, no. It's a niche crowd, but... Hey, well, it's I mean, growing crown. It's a great. I, I, yeah, I, I believe a, the AAF is going to be around for a long time. Oh yeah, a little feeder league to the NFL. Hey, me too. I hope so. But so yeah, AAF spot. Check it out. All right, we'll talk to you next week, Jacob. Right, Jacob Wass, Tulane Tuesdays in the books. We'll do it again next week. Seth Dunlap, Logan behind the glass. The last lap continues after this. Well, the upset is complete. St. Mary's. Not only do they beat Gonzaga, they beat them up sixty to forty-seven. St. Mary's punches their tickets. To March Madness, Gonzaga waits and sees if that cost him a one seed. I think you lose by 13 there and only score 47 points. It might. I know it depends on what happens with teams like North Carolina and really LSU, but this opens up the door for LSU. If they make a run in the uh, the SEC tournament, if they win that SEC tournament, i got to be frank, especially with all that's going on, and then you get Gonzaga beat like that in their conference tournament championship game i think that might open up a spot for lsu as a one seed we will see that is a long ways away long five days or so here six days and we'll see what happens nfl free agency is here we've been talking about it all night and of course our wwl sports team all over these saints moves listen for the latest every half hour in sports and every day on sports talk from four to eight and right here on the last lap eight to eleven it's saints free agency frenzy brought to you by the hood automotive group Everything automotive under one hood. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's talk about NFL free agency. And Mark Ingram is Ryan downtown. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, um, <clears throat> I want to make a point because I'm I'm in the line of business and the NFL is a business. Uh, personally speaking, I think the Saints made the right move. The organization had a choice to make: either pay Teddy Bridgewater as your future QB or pay Mark Ingram, who's getting old. He's your second option. Understand one thing, like Ingram's trying to, if you relate it to the business world, I'm a manager for a company. I'm trying to hire an assistant manager. 
there's somebody who's qualified and really overqualified to be an assistant manager. But if he's willing to fit in my budget, I can hire him. But if he wants to get paid like a manager, get paid like a top tier manager, um, you know, it, it's great. It's not saying he's not worth it. It's what's in your budget though. Yep. Murray fits your budget. And we made the decision to invest in the future of our team by signing Teddy. And I, I think that was the right move long-term understand it's a business. Not like the NBA. We can't go over the salary cap. I think Murray fits what we're looking for. Four yard carry back. I'll, honestly, yeah, I'm it, actually looking forward to him. Yo, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Back. Complete your thought, Ryan. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then I want to see Mark Ingram, no offense. I love the guy to death, but I don't know if you realize how many times I've seen third down and one, fourth down and one, and he gets the ball, run, puts his head down, don't look up and run straight into the defense instead of looking up and seeing the hole. Well, it's, look, I think that he's a great one-cut. But he's, a, he's a great multi-tooled back. I'm not going to sit here and bag on Mark Ingram. I understand that he's not the most elusive guy by any stretch of the imagination, including when he got Alvin Kamara in your backfield. But I think you're good. You have great points here. He just didn't fit the budget. That's what I've been told. The people that I've talked to today said he did not fit the budget, and he's going to fetch more on the free on the open market. Watch what happens here the next few days and where he will land. Here's a text from the 504 with Seth's team Gonzaga getting blown out by St. Mary's, who LSU beat this year. This would solidify LSU as a number one seed if LSU wins the SEC tournament. You know what? Yes, I am a huge Gonzaga fan. Grew up there. They, you know, it's blood runs deep. But I agree with you. I just said, if LSU wins out in the SEC tournament, I'll compare the resumes at the end. But I think that opens up a spot for LSU as a one seed, and Gonzaga might get knocked down to a two seed. Long way to go, though. One more hour of the show coming up here on The Last Lap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.